the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The time is 6.05. I trust that. uh, Well, we don't really have, we don't have that problem now. If you have a cell phone um, or a computer, uh, you know how years ago when we were called to uh, reset our clocks for daylight savings time? I always forgot. And then sometimes it depended on what kind of car I had or or a clock that I had. If I didn't know how to reset it, like on your television, it just stayed an hour ahead or an hour behind. But uh, it was so nice to get an hour, extra hour uh, rest of sleep yesterday. Just really nice. Um, But it's getting darker earlier because we're moving towards uh, winter um, solstice. And uh, it's, it's designed for us to have shorter days. Uh, and longer nights <clears throat> for a few months. And so that's where we are. So be careful as you move into the evening time to uh to don't don't uh don't forget to to get your rest and enjoy this extra hour before it disappears. And it will. Let me go back to line number two and talk with Stefan in Castro Valley. Stefan, what's what's your thoughts or question today on our topic? How you doing, Pastor? I'm great. Steven. Okay. There Steven. we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, no, uh, I just have said um, I appreciate uh, the subject matter that you're talking about. It's a uh, tragedy um, that has occurred um, with Miss uh, Deb when she got on the phone and um, she was saying everything that she said. Um, I heard a lot of optimism from her, and mm-hmm. I appreciated that. Sure. Uh, and uh, the, the text of scripture that comes to my mind um, about... Um, the things that are going on, the things that we're talking about is uh, Ecclesiastes chapter Mm 3, where in verse 1 it says, to everything there is a season Mm -hmm. uh, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And Mm -hmm. then it begins to Mm -hmm. deal with the time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, you know, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, uh, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a time to mourn. Right, um, right. You know, um, but to mourn with an optimism, I guess, to try to merge what Ms. Deb is talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, as believers, you know, we, you know, when, when the body's affected, we're affected. And, um, you know, we should be praying for the families. We should be um, feeling some type of uh, sympathy and and, and hurt and loss, um, especially when we begin to think about our own families and our own church homes, um, our own children. I agree. Um, and uh, and so, and the optimism um, of faith, but, you know, which is what, you know, you, you teach us all the time, uh, has to do with, you know, the, the Romans 8 text, uh, all things work together for the good to them that love God and mm-hmm. to them that are called according to His purpose. Mm-hmm. And so we have to really try to work through, um, you know, how it is a sovereign God um, in complete and total control over everything is working. It has worked this situation out 
for the good of those people, those 26 people that passed, and, mm-hmm. and for the families, mm-hmm. um, even though it was a tragedy. Right. Um, uh, let me ask you a question with that. I'm just going to ferret this out while we work on other people calling. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to get in on the topic, the conversation is dealing with the tragedy that happened in Sutherland, Texas, with 26 people being uh, killed by a deranged gunman um, during worship. Uh, and the congregation was already small. Uh, if you do hold to a biblical worldview that God is in control, sovereign, good, omnipotent and omniscient, then how do you talk to your kids and how do you talk to your loved ones about tragic events that interrupt our lives at this level uh, and remain uh, biblical as well as optimistic about it? So I would I would ask you, Stephen, how would you talk to um, to your children about this event if they were if they were facing it, not that it happened to them, but maybe they were keenly aware of it by virtue of the news or let's say if there were a tragic event happened down the street, how would you help them at the ages of six and seven and eight and nine uh, uh, understand this? Because they would want to process this. How would you as a parent uh, begin the process of helping them to secure their uh, their their emotions and their thought processes around the faithfulness of God uh, at at the level of their intellect. Okay. Um, well, what, what I would do um, is I would actually sit my three children down. So are, are you are you moving on the road because you're fading in and out on me? Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, what I would do is I would sit my three children down and um, I would I would let them know what happened right. first. Right. Um, and and then I would I would let them know that the man that actually did this, um, you know, he did an evil thing. That's right. Um, and at the heart of, of this is evil, pure evil. Um, that's right. Uh, sin. Um, it's a consequence of sin entering into the world. Um, and, uh, and so after I explained that to them, I would also let them know that there were children that were killed. Um, you know, it's just pure evil. I would explain to them that that while as yet um, this calamity has happened um, to them by a wicked intent, whatever that intent was, whatever the reason behind uh, the the murderer was in murdering all those people, um, it was basically evil and it wasn't pleasing to the Lord. That's right. But God's intent was good. That's right. God's intent was good because those children don't have to suffer anymore. That's right. Those children, those children are in heaven. That's right. Um, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Those children um, have a, a redeemer. Yeah. They have someone that has purchased their 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 hellbound souls for all eternity um, by His shed blood at Calvary's tree, um, and uh, and those who are congregating. Uh, around, uh, you know, it, you know, together at church to worship the Lord. Um, you know, the Lord chose to take them home in the midst of worship. Yep. Um, yep. And and um, <clears throat> and could be potentially looked at as a reward in a sense, but you can only say that if you have, if, if you're saying that, you know, through the eyes of faith, through through this optimism that we're referring to. Um, 
And, and, and what I would tell my children is, see, when sin entered into the world, um, you know, that's when all of these things, these evil things started to occur. And what God did in his love still, in his grace and his mercy, is he set boundaries and protective measures, such as, you know, for example, that my, my kids know that I'm in the military. They know that I, I'm an army man. That's right. Um, the, the, the military is um, one of those uh, protective uh, measures that protects the, the freedom and the peace and tranquility and normalcy of a society. Yep. Um, and, and, and my solution, what I would tell my children is this, that, that even though it looks like God is not a con- in control, he is, because mm-hmm. now we're talking about it. Yep. And now we get to see God, God's glory in the midst of it. In the midst of those who were at church with their intent to worship the Lord, having to suffer and entering into the presence of God, but this man being being a wicked man doing what he did, you know w- w- now what we have to do, children, is we have to we have to we have to learn from that we have to we have to ask the we have to learn from that, so what I would do in terms of a solution. Um, for my children is I would, I would, um, I would, I would let them know that, that I'm, I'm, I'm called as, as dad, um, and, and to my wife as, as the husband to protect my family, mm-hmm. um, to, 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 to make application and to tighten up whatever is loosened, yeah. um, in terms of my family, yeah. in terms of their protection yeah. so that, so that they feel safe yeah. so that they feel safe. There you go. And so that they are safe, and I would do everything within, you know, my 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 God-given rights um, and, and and human powers with prayer and 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 the grace that God provides me to to you know to to check my left and and right bounds yeah. in terms of rules and regulations and policies, and make sure that I have everything necessary in the case that something like this happens. Yeah. I'll be ready yeah. to protect my family and. If I have to lay down my life, yeah. as Christ laid down His life for me. There you go. Sounds so that, sounds like that's a how I would actually talk to them. Yeah, sounds like uh, an excellent Bible study <clears throat> to be had. No, no. Well, yeah, it's no. I want you to hear this because I'm going to let you go at this. Yeah, I, it sounds like an excellent Bible study, an excellent Bible study to be had for the family, uh, so that yeah. they get the big picture of two things. Feeling safe and being safe. So I just want to make two observations about that. The being safe has to do with them being grounded in Christ and understanding that nothing shall separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, no matter what the evil is. Feeling safe has to do with them being under the stewardship of a father who is willing to lay down his life for his children. That is the ultimate gospel paradigm that can be drawn out of this for our children to be secure. That was my question. How do we secure them when they are exposed to and are aware of these kinds of evils? And you did a great job. Thanks for the call. Got to take a break. Lines are full. I'll catch everybody as soon as we come back on the other side. See, there's a lot to get out of this. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. The time 619 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are extrapolating on the topic of the the horrific killing that's been taking place. That took place a couple of days ago in Texas, in Sutherland, Texas, with the the murder of 26 people in uh, 
Faith Baptist Church there uh, by a deranged uh, young man who who had a troubled life and he took his own life as well as a good Samaritan also uh, took aim at him and and wounded him, driving him off, which speaks well to responsible uh, gun ownership, uh, not to get political at all on the topic. Um, But I am opening the lines for those of you who want to um, chime in on uh, and and expand your thoughts on how you would deal with that. I really do appreciate <clears throat> Deb's uh, solution to to build a better world through uh, programming and and uh, uh, exposure to and emphasis of things that are done in this world that are more noble and virtuous. That's absolutely right. I do believe that we deal often with copycat uh, imitations and. Uh, 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 responses to to overt and excessive evil programming that leads uh, unstable people to do what they do, um, such as the uh, the shooter in Las Vegas and, and maybe even this individual. I think that that does play a role in it. Stephen also chimed in on how, as a military man, I know him, he's one of my deacons, um, he would respond to his own children. His children are real. They are not mythical. Uh, they are young and they are impressionable by the world. And I was raising the question, how how do you help your children manage evil? I mean, you know, it's here. We all tried to, you know, raise them up uh, without bumping their head or falling down or even being, as I stated, hurt by their brothers and sisters. But the reality is um, it can happen. And so being able to tell our kids how to understand the world biblically and still trust God who is able to uh, manage this world, though there is evil presently, um, is really, really important. Let me go to line number three and talk with Pastor Gary in San Leandro. Pastor, is that you? It is me. How are you, my brother? I'm I'm doing well. I, I made the assumption I have Pastor Gary here, and then I it came up Faith Fellowship. I, I said I better not say Pastor Gary Matara, but I'm glad you called. Um, what What's your topic? What do you want to talk about? Well, first of all, I'm looking forward to being with you next Thursday night at our church as we host that uh, panel. It's going to be a fun time. I am looking forward to it. I, was that you or Craig? That, uh, uh, that Craig, Craig is moderating it, but it's hosted at our church, so it's going to be a good time. I'll be on the panel with you, I believe. Yeah, no, you know what I was asking? I think I talked about this in the opening of the monologue. I said... Uh, um, I said that this is a topic that is so pervasively present in our culture and in our world that um, for uh, for some states, it, it wouldn't even be possible to talk about race issues um, without the pastor being in danger of his life or the church being burnt down. This is truly the case. I'm sure you're aware of that. But for those of us who live in California uh, and particularly the Bay Area, um, this is probably one of the safest place places where we can have this kind of hypersensitive and yet critically important topic. And uh, so I do want to commend you for uh, opening up your facility for for that purpose, man. Yeah, because, you know, there are pastors that are doing a great job in the Bay Area. I think you're one of them. I like to think I'm one of them. And Absolutely. We have very diverse, diverse large churches and uh, whites next to blacks and Hispanics and Asians and millionaires sitting with people on welfare, and, and we're supposed to do that. That's the kingdom. And uh, that's also the demographic that we live in. Yep. Uh, concerning these shootings, you know, obviously they get everybody's attention, and it does cause some uh, fear and depredation, you know, def- uh, people are afraid. Yes, sir. Way. Yes, sir. And, but you know, it's not like, wow, that church must've been in sin or doing something wrong. Not at all. You know, in Luke 
in Luke's gospel, Jesus said uh, the ones that Pilate mixed their blood in the sacrifices or the Tower of Siloam that fell on 18. Absolutely. Do you think they're worse sinners than anybody else? I tell you, they weren't, but unless you all repent. Yep. And so there's evil, and that's why God gave us what I call the tender commandments of, you know, don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, because mm-hmm. you'll destroy each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We live in a land of evil, and I think that we we can defend ourselves in the sense that the, that the, the laws of the land are what they are, that we have the right to bear arms. We shouldn't be afraid of it or look to harm people. But if somebody who is demonically inspired is coming against uh, God's people or your family or mine, we have the right to say, hey, you're not going to do that. I not, agree. not here. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know what I want to ask you, because now that I have you, I'd love to have other pastors call in on this topic only because uh, for us to have the benefit of, of uh, technology so that these kinds of events can be uh, um, uh, um, made aware of almost real time, we get to now feel it, um, respond to it. Uh, think about it, and then you know, if necessary, make some adjustments. So I'm going to ask you just some 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 fundamental questions about the responsibility of a pastor. I have my own ideas and and how I would uh, respond to these things if they if we felt like Gary, if we felt like um, this kind of thing is drawing nearer to us, uh, and therefore we can't stick our head in the sand and not talk about it, not uh, address it on a theological level, address it on a psychological, emotional level, and then address it on a sociological level. So I'm, I will ask you while the uh, audience is listening, how does a pastor... Um, uh, prepare his congregation uh, for it first from your own thought processes, and you probably already gave me that and us that in terms of is it not only just appropriate, but is it uh, essential and necessary that we create an environment that is safe substantially given the church of Jesus Christ has had these kinds of things happen to it uh, since before our Lord even entered the world uh, from the standpoint of Judaism, uh, definitely knowing that they had enemies that would seek to destroy them and therefore they would have guards and uh, and, and, and protective measures. Uh, uh, in, in America, that's not something that we all together think about as important, but I'd like to know what your thoughts about that are. Well, like you, Jesse, I'm going to always come from the Scriptures, and you can go all the way back to Abraham taking 314 trained men in his house and uh, um, going after those who had taken his nephew Lot, Absolutely. all the way to the Amalekites um, yep. uh, without any preemptive strike from Israel. They killed many of those who were dragging behind, probably the elderly and the little ones, yep. and God said to wipe them out for doing that because there was no cause, there was no reason yep, for it. Yep. And so, you know, I think that there is a biblical precedent for being wise and uh, obeying the laws of the land and having the right to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure in your congregation, many of the large church pastors that I'm friends with, they all have 
uh, police officers yep. and people that are carrying weapons undercover yep. Yep. to protect their congregation. And I, I have armorers that stand guard on me while I'm preaching or praying for people uh-huh. uh, because there are crazy, evil people that are demonically inspired, but that doesn't give them a license that it's okay to do that. Not okay to touch God's people without consequences and repercussions and protective measures that are our freedoms, and not only our freedoms in terms of constitutional rights, but just our obligation as 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 men who love our families and love our churches. And as my, my deacon, Stephen at call, who is also a military man, which we have several of them in the church, uh, stated, uh, it's, it's, it's probably as, as, uh, as divinely uh, uh, paradigmatic as can be for us to be quickly ready to lay down our lives in a situation like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and of course, we would always try to... Of course. Uh, Go ahead on. I'm jumping in front of you because I, 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 you know, I guess you're probably anticipating. Well, you know, are these guys advocating, you know, uh, violence? Of course, I think I said it in my previous uh, monologue, uh, previous uh, segment, Gary. That yeah, um, who who was it? It was a previous caller. John said, you know, this made him wonder. Um, is the church doing enough to help people that are mentally deranged? Um, is the church positioning itself enough to be sympathetic to a society that's broken uh, and, and, and inclined to acts of, uh, of, 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 you know, calling attention to themselves and disregarding other people because they're mad at one person? Um, is the church doing everything it can to help people get help before they reach that level? I think that that's where you were going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would be like somebody coming into your church without a weapon who was trying to cause division yep. or come in you know, physically pushing his weight around. Yep. We would quickly have our ushers, yep. <laughs> you know, handle it outside kindly and say, you're not <laughs> doing that here, buddy. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But it's at a crazy level. And one of the things I tell people is I, I continue to warn everybody that tomorrow is promised to nobody. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, you saw that in Las Vegas. Yes, I mean, sir. my goodness, somebody's standing there having a conversation yep. and their buddy's dead in the same sentence. Yeah. Uh, insanity. Um, but that's the world we live in. And Christ didn't call us to run from it, nope. but to be wise as serpents. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with what you've said. Yeah, no, I, I, the um, the the reality of the gospel comes home immediately whenever we are reminded that tomorrow is not promised, and uh, and it, it it ups the value of of the church's presence in the world with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace that uh, anyone can have uh, upon bowing the knee to Him as Lord and Savior, and thus uh, we would secure people uh, from from even that kind of horrific death if they simply trust Christ as Savior. Amen. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to next week. I just, uh, I, you know, I just actually pulled out the, I, you know, Craig told me, well, Jesse, would you like to be on the panel? I said, yes. Yeah. And where is going to be? What is going to be up to? How are we going to do this? He said, I'll get back with you. He never did. So I've, I pulled out the a nice little flyer. Did you get any of the, fly, of the flyers yet? Did you get a package? Uh, Day about it, and so we just sent it out to our church, inviting people to come if they wanted to. So that's about as official as it's gotten. Of course, I've been in touch with Brian Recton, and uh, 
you know, they've been over to our church, make sure our sound equipment's up to speed oh, good. and all that kind of good, stuff. Good, 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 it's good. gonna be a great night. It's gonna be a great night. Yeah, no, I, I am I am looking forward to it. I hope I hope that it is monumental in terms of really helping uh the Bay Area and our people understand how we um are, are challenged and willing to address um race relations and uh and the blessing of being pastors in the Bay Area. I, I frequently, Gary, and I'm gonna let you go after this, I frequently when I'm going uh, around the world or uh, to any other state and, and you know so so where are you from i'm from california and you know uh everybody doesn't like california like everybody doesn't necessarily like america to be honest with you um just because they have their different views about uh, americans and certainly californians and certainly if you live close to san francisco but here's what i would say and i think you would affirm it um to to have a uh tenure of pastoring um, a local congregation that is as diverse um, as ours is, is with virtually uh, every ethnic group under the sun um, couldn't be a better tenure. And that is not to speak against uh, mono ethnic congregations. They are wonderful and necessary because it's just, you know, cultural demographics. But I, I have been so pleased to let people know the value of being a pastor, of being able to actually know and interact with and love on and be loved by many different ethnic groups in our church because they all bring something special to the table. Well, I'll tell you how serious it is um, when you said that. I just had a guy Sunday yesterday in our church preaching from Mon- West Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah. And, see, see, now, you, now you're talking home. Ministry. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he says 13 years ago when he took over that church, it was a predominantly white congregation, in fact, just about all white, and the ushers would stand at the door, and anybody from color showed up. They said, no, 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 your church is down the street. Wow, 13 and years ago. This, 13 years ago, and this guy is a white dude, um, and now his church is 50% African-American, and his son, just he just married him off to African-American girl, was the first interracial marriage ever in the history of that church. Right. See, this is the conversation we have to have and that you are affirming why I said what I said, Gary. And and that's because of this. Um, I know that in certain ways we are ahead of the curve here in California because I've been to the south. My, you, you just quoted you just actually named the state where my my my, my grandparents and my family from my mother's side is Monroe, Louisiana. So a whole lot of people were cheering you when you said that. Um, but. Uh, notwithstanding, if that brother said just 13 years ago, it was true that um, our Caucasian congregations, what they wasn't letting black folks in. It, it, it shows you how um, outside of the Bay Area, this matter of race relations is severely, severely affecting the witness and testimony of the gospel. It absolutely is. And, yeah. and I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, we couldn't do it because we have a demographic that is so diverse in the Bay, as you said. Um, but how does a, a white man, uh, or a black man for that matter, who calls himself a Christian not let someone with from another race or bloodline Ugh, into their church? It hurts. I, I don't get it. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I, I could talk a long time about... Um, I, you know, maybe cognitive dissonance, maybe cultural um, 
uh, convenience, maybe just uh, not, you know, enough of the spirit of the living God to raise him up out of, uh, you know, the the man pleasing stuff that we kind of saw a little bit with the apostles. Uh, This is why I love Paul so much. I just know Paul, uh, you know, he had to straighten out Peter and a couple of others who got a little bit too comfortable with Judaism when Paul was hanging out with the brothers that was eating ham hocks and and, and, and fried chicken and all that other stuff that was not as (laughs) culturally uh, acceptable. He liberated us. uh, But, you know, man, I'm so glad that I don't. But I have suffered and maybe you have, too, but I have suffered uh, for um, for boasting in in being a California uh, preacher, which I will gladly do. Listen, I'm way overdue. Thanks for your call. We'll see you, Lord willing, next uh, next Thursday. Bless you, man. Blessings to you, too. That's Pastor Gary Matara from Faith Fellowship. Uh, We will be gathered together next Thursday getting at it. Let's fill up his place. I don't even know how many people. Have you ever been over there, Gerard? How many people can he hold? A thousand? Okay. Let's let's fill it up with whatever. Fill it up. Just don't want no rowdy people. Fill it up. All right. Let's see. Uh, I got one, three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back. The time seven thirty nine on uh, six thirty nine six thirty nine on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are still talking about the after effects of uh, the the killings that took place in Sutherland, Texas. Two lines open. Love to hear from you. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's go to line one and see what Misty has to say about it. Misty, what's your comments or observation on our topic? Sorry. Hello. Hello. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, this is really a serious, 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 serious issue. And um, what I would like to say is the the average Christian, the average person is not that accustomed to warfare. And um, that's what's now going on and has been going on, um, in my view, because I've been on the front lines dealing with battle for the last 30 years, but when things really heated up is when Columbine, no shooting first happened. And now we've got, you know, a really dark time. We've got the times of the wheats and the tares. We have the times of the spirit of the Antichrist and the spirit of death coming over. And there's a lot of things that we can do. And it's really unfortunate that this happened because, you know, we have those... um, those killings in Carolina, and I think the churches should have taken some precautions. I mean, I watch the door, I watch my back, I watch if somebody comes in that looks peculiar, or this or that. We can have a a greeter in every church, you can have one bodyguard kind of guy, greeter, at every church. We could even go as far as to friendly frisk somebody. I mean, whatever it is that makes things... They to be vigilant. Yep. And, and the other thing that everybody can do right now and tonight is really get into Ephesians 6. And um, we war against principalities in high places. We, we war against all kinds of demons and dark forces. And God told us that the world would, be caught, would grow cold. And these are people with a reprobate mind. These are people that have been given over to the reprobate. And, uh, you know, evil is, is out of control. But to be sitting ducks is, is just... It's just so sad, because I feel like some of these deaths that are going on here, like, okay, Vegas, 
you know, that was a real, real doozy because you had so many thousands of people in there. And, you know, needless yeah. to say, I don't want to go to a concert <laughs> right. after, after that. But, you know, people really need to take each, each situation and they need to, you know, wake up to the fact that somebody could come in the door. And that's, you know, we have to have, you know, I think we need to just open our eyes to that and have, you know, other people that really aren't accustomed to being in battle to really understand the kind of warfare that we're dealing with and go through Ephesians 6. And put on the whole armor of God personally. Um, yes. and, and, and have a mindset of uh, spiritual covering, um, and that is being clear um, who you are and uh, who you are in uh, in case there is a, a physical manifestation of an attack. I, I completely concur with that because um, the only answer when evil breaks out in a physical manifestation is to be prayerfully in, in Christ and in God to fight that battle physically, uh, spiritually, and if you have to deal with it physically. I mean, we're talking about that as men who have already call uh, pastors and military men that uh, uh, if we have to, we have to just, you know, lay it down for the family and things of that nature. But in terms of your emphasis, I think our churches, if this evil continues to uh, escalate, we are going to have to take uh, uh, the spiritual dimension a whole lot more serious. Right. It's, um, it's, it's ramping up. It's been ramping up and it is ramping up. And like you said, the full armor of God, um, the way I have it memorized is just because it just comes off my, off my mind this way. Peace, faith, truth, spirit, salvation, and righteousness. There you go. And however, you know, someone wants to memorize it for themselves, you memorize it. And I, and I have one tale to tell in reference to that, which was many, many years ago, I had just kind of started putting on the, the armor. You know, sometimes you forget, sometimes you put it on more vigilantly. I mean, it's an everyday thing. And I had put it on for the for like two weeks in a row, real kind of uh, precisely. And I was hit head on on the freeway at full impact. Wow. And um, yeah, and broadside from behind as well. So that was uh, absolutely over the top, and I I should have been really taken out at that point. Um, there was a lot of spiritual matters, a lot of different things going on. Uh, like I said. <laughs> When, um, and God protected you. And God protected you. It's a whole different world on the front lines, and the front lines are now coming home to roost. So yep. uh, people need to wake up. Yeah, thank you for that. that we, we better. Thank you for that. Let me go to line two and talk with Sally in Marin County. Sally, good to hear from you, sister. Oh, thank you, Jesse. What's your Pastor thoughts? Pastor Jesse. Pastor you can Jesse. call me Jesse. Oh, no, well. <laughs> I have the age to go with it. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, true. A, a number of years ago in Marin County, we had some terrible things happening in the churches. Okay. Uh, and uh, and so we have had to uh, arm our churches to give them at least protection during the week. I agree. I just wrote to my pastor because yesterday I was out uh, in the lobby during the service which old people somehow sometimes have to do, and there was nobody there. And we had, for a number of years, a deacon, a head usher, actually a head usher, and he was always out in the lobby, and he would sit at the table that faced the front so that he could listen to the pastor, but he was always out there. 
Yeah. And yesterday there was nobody there, and I it was very very uncomfortable yep. for me. Yep. Now he could not have <laughs> run after anybody. He would not have had a gun. Sure. But at least he would have been there, and I'm sure he had a telephone. Uh, That's right. That's so, right. So we, and by the way, I think the best thing, the armor of God in Ephesians 6, amen, amen, amen. Absolutely. The other thing is, fathers, please read your Bibles so that you're comfortable enough to read the Bible and have the children read the Bible and help them to be able to talk to God in, in, in um, uh, what's the word I want, but prayer, um, you know, sacred prayer, in, not in, just flippant. I agree. In, 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 in children's innocency, to be able to just talk to the Heavenly Father because they have a sense of communion through him, uh, with him through the Word of God. This is the responsibility of fathers, uh, and so we will definitely take that admonition. It's just something that we need to do. See, see how much good this terrible event has brought about for just this program, if it can sustain itself across the country as a conversation, maybe we will sober up and and start uh, exercising certain measures that would move us more back into a sacred dimension as the body of Christ. Uh, Sally, thank you for your call. Bless you. I've got to take a break, David. When I come back, you and me on the Monday edition of Lifeline, we'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. 650 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number three and talk with David in Richmond. David, are you there? David, Hello. going once. Yes, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you, David? I'm fine. I'm fine. I was just um, listening to the program. I always listen to the program. But, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, today, is um, it was a good topic, and it, it, it made me wonder because my mother of the church used to always tell me that the safest place I could be is in the will of God. Right. And But on the natural, for me coming off the streets for 30 years, being in the streets and carrying weapons and being out there, now I'm an armor bearer for my bishop, and, and it's making me feel like, okay, do I need to go back to carrying my weapon in mm, the church? Mm. Mm, yeah, that's the conversation that we're starting to have, aren't we? Yes, we are. So, so what do you think about that? While we have a good six or seven minutes, I can I can ferret that out. I can work that work with that in terms of um, what do you think about that? Are you in conflict with that um, as a, as an armor bearer? Are you in conflict with protecting pastor in the church uh, with uh, with uh, with uh, physical means? Is that a is that a problem for you beyond the fact that we just are simply dealing with the potential escalation of it, which we never were promised? by Christ or the father that that would not occur. Um, he certainly told his disciples in the waning hours of his life to sell their garments and purchase swords. So it's not like the scriptures are prohibitive of it. So you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. I so, so how are you, how are you working through that mentally? Well, well mentally it's just like, it's really, it just really hit me after all this stuff of the enemy is coming into the church now. Right and being he's been in there, but now he's getting more bold and bolder and bolder and bringing weapons in there. And it, to me, that it, he says, "Yes, no weapon will form against it, but it's coming in." And I feel, I just feel like it would be more protective. We had armor bearers and people in the church that were that, that had weapons. 
that was able, if it on a natural, if it came in and we have nothing else to fight with, it's like, what are we to do? Right. So I'm glad you raised the question. I'm going to make a couple of observations to, uh, to, tailor this in the pro- the appropriate way. <clears throat> One is um, there has never, ever been a time where the church has been told to not be in a position to protect itself. Those those kind of assumptions would actually be rooted more in a pacifistic uh, ideology uh, where uh, where the emphasis would be simply to lay down your life and do not resist evil, let it come. Uh, but that doesn't take into consideration the, the whole scope and tenor of Scripture, as I stated. Um, it's real clear uh, by uh, Jewish worshipers that in the vast majority of their uh, their places of worship, synagogues uh, and temple uh, uh, throughout history, that uh, protection was just a, a given. Uh, as you would walk into synagogue or walk into temple, you would know that you would notice guard. So when you read your Bible, you're not going to uh, ever read the Old Testament or even the the Gospels where there aren't guards uh, nearby uh, in protection of the 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 uh, the veneration of the of the temple or the synagogues because of the potential for evil breaking out. So that didn't change because we moved into uh, a, a Christocentric approach to the worship of God the Father through His Son. That didn't change in terms of local congregations, uh, David. It's just that when you do uh, have a society where uh, where we have great judicial systems and law enforcement, we don't need to have that kind of overt protection. But when once that's lost, uh, the, as the case would be in different countries where uh, where lawlessness is just rampant, even at the highest uh, levels of government, it is wholly appropriate that we protect uh, children and women and mothers and the elderly and then our own brethren uh, with proper means. I would say this as a caveat as we get ready to wind it down. Um, I would not... Uh, want uh, men in our congregation who are unstable uh, thinking that they are free to represent protecting us uh, in any kind of physical way so that uh, if a congregation is contemplating moving in that direction, be very careful that you don't set your congregation up for an enemy within to have the ability to be that kind of explosive, violent uh, individual just because he's upset with uh, with the pastor, but upset with the elder, or upset with a, a parishioner, and he happens to be on uh, the board of uh, protecting uh, the pastor or um, just one of the uh, 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 overseers in the church who's called to protect. So, yeah, we want to be careful to make sure that both in terms of our members that they are uh, feeling safe because they have men who know how to watch, but also um, also uh, uh, through a legitimate legal process, make sure that if this is something that has to occur, that uh, that the men that you guys endow with those powers um, are are richly uh, 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 filled with the spirit of God and godly. Yes, that yeah. most definitely. Because, like you said, if they have it there, and like you said, they blow up or yep. Yep. they get angry at somebody, and they blow up the church. They have the weapon already inside. That's the regrettable yeah. element that you're talking about that I fully agree with relative to the fact that um, if we start becoming comfortable with uh, weapons. And they're, they're then, uh, David, uh, and all of my brothers out there that are listening that are pastors, 
elders, etc. That should be a job that is engaged in at the most discreet levels. That uh, factually, it should not even be a conversation with the congregation. Mm-hmm. All the con- all the congregation should know is is that uh, that leadership has uh, taken everything uh, into consideration with regards to protection at the highest levels, uh, and the congregation should be assured that um, we are prepared to deal with um, extreme actions if we have to, and that's all they need to know. And then uh, you 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 know you guys move in a direction to do that because um, we have the we have the right and privilege of doing so. We hope that nothing ever happens uh, to your congregation or mine or anybody listening here, but it's already happened uh, for local congregations of pastors. I know. I mean, I'm aware of not only uh, people coming from the outside, David, in uh, with some crazy mess over some woman or some man, um, but even up as high as leadership. So um, these are some dark days and we need to be prayerful uh, and committed to sound principles. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I totally agree. Yeah, thank you for the call, my brother. Thank you for the call. Blessings, blessings. What a joy. What a joy. I'm I'm glad we were able to sustain this topic at length. And I'll tell you why, because it should also be extrapolated to and extended to families. You husbands who are uh, believers in Christ uh, and you're, you're growing in your knowledge of God. Um, are you able to uh, adequately meet uh, some type of uh, bizarre uh, event should it occur? Are you are you prepared? Are, uh, have you secured your wife and children that you're ready to lay down your life? I mean, you know, here's the here's the here is the the scenario. You might say you are, but if you aren't, and something happens, how are you going to feel about it? You know. You might say you are, but if you aren't and something happens and do we really want to wait until something happens to be prepared? So, yeah, be lawful, be legal, be uh, be righteous, be just, be prayerful, be thoughtful, be discreet. But uh, ask the Lord to give you the prudence and wisdom of handling your business so that you are fully and adequately ready to lay down your life as Christ did for the church. Listen, thank you guys. Looking forward to seeing many of you this Friday and then also next Thursday. And again, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.